Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn and I'm glad to be back after a week off but um, even more glad that the Bundesliga has now started and we've got some results to talk about. So before I introduce the other two fellas joining me today, let's go through the match day one results. So on Friday night we've seen reigning champions Bayern Munich held 2-2 by Hertha Berlin. Well, Get straight into that, I feel, um, as soon as the results are done. Into Saturday, seeing Freiburg score three late goals against Mainz to beat them 3-0. Werner Bremen may have dominated the game, but lost 3-1 to Fortuna Dusseldorf. Wolfsburg 2, Cologne 1. Bayer Leverkusen were very good in attack, but equally as bad in defence. 3-2 against Paderborn. Then we've seen Borussia Dortmund. Yes, they went 1-0 down. But won 5-1 against Osberg. The late kickoff game unfortunately didn't live up to the other games with considerably less goals. In fact, no goals at all. Borussia Mönchengladbach nil, Schalke nil. Into Sunday, we've seen Eintracht Frankfurt 1, Hoffenheim nil, and Ness Union Berlin, their first game in the top flight. Unfortunately, it didn't end very well. Julian Nagelsmann's new side, RB Leipzig, beat them 4-0. Right, well, I better introduce the other two fellas joining me today. As always, we've got German football and Liverpool football club expert Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce have been very well. I'm glad to hand back hosting duties to you after last week. Hopefully, I don't sound like I'm sitting in a very large toilet, very echoey. Yeah, well, put put a away you know the sound quality i thought you did a fantastic job filling in for me and no i've not done my calf in or dropped any aftershave on my foot don't be silly unfortunately just couldn't make it but what a podcast that was chris may i say uh, what a guest in having derek on here fantastic really yeah it was very kind of derek to give us his time because he's exceptionally busy and doesn't just do the bundesliga of course he is the voice of the bundesliga but he does the premier league and he does all his work with the a sports he does all his um off live stuff with the bundesliga so all the um, highlights videos all the social media stuff that you'll see pushed out by the dfl so he's a very busy guy so yeah we're really really grateful for him to give us his time yeah absolutely we'll be getting him on as soon as we possibly can whenever he's free i'm sure but joining chris and i as always is the football grad network creator and also forbes bundesliga writer manu vet manu how are you today 
Hey, guys. Yeah, it's good to have you on uh, again after, last, after you missed out last week. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic podcast um, with Derek Ray, and I'm really glad he made it on, and, and I'm really looking forward to this week's podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We've got plenty to talk about, haven't we, guys? And, well, I suppose it only makes sense to start with that Friday night game and talk about Bayern Munich. So, yeah, they, they scored 24th minute, Robin Lewandowski, there's no surprise. But then what was more of a surprise was that Hertha scored two goals in quick succession before half time, uh, leading 2-1. Nobody would have seen that coming. But then, well, we will talk about the penalty decision, but I don't think there's too much to talk about. Uh, Grewick managing to wrestle Lewandowski to the floor, then obviously getting a penalty, and he slotted that away. So, um, they picked up a draw. Um, Manu, this is not like the regular opening um, of a Bundesliga season, is it? The reigning champions don't normally slip up, do they? No, they do not. Um, it's It's been a while. I think it's been since Pep Guardiola played um, Hoffenheim about four or five years ago that, that Bayern dropped points in, on opening day. And um, I think during the Guardiola era, era that wasn't as big of a deal. Um, today, or on Friday rather, um, it kind of added to what has already been such a complicated summer for Bayern, and you know, of course, the on the backs of the DFL Super Cup defeat, um, where they were completely outclassed by Borussia Dortmund, right? And um, in this game in particular, it felt like a lot of the same old that we saw from Bayern last year in many regards, and that that they dominated early on, they got very well into the game, and then. At one point, Hertha just figured them out. Um, Ante Kovic, his first Bundesliga game as a head coach of Hertha Berlin, he just sort of managed to adjust his side in a way that they could, yes, give Bayern the room to, to roam, right, in dangerous attacking areas, but at the same time not getting into those very dangerous areas where they could score from. And you know what? Um, this is this is my opinion anyways, and I'm curious to hear Chris's thoughts on this, but I think if Marco Kruic does not have the blackout and wrestles down Lewandowski and what probably already goes down as the dumbest Bundesliga foul of the season, because I don't think anyone is going to top this, then had to walk away with three points because I could not see Bayern score a goal from open play in this game. No, um, I'm in full agreement. Although I'm not sure if it was a penalty. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. It's a, it's a cast iron penalty. I don't know why Marko Gruic throws into the floor the way he does. But um, Ante Kovic, I mean, did he come up with anything revolutionary or did he just watch Bayern Munich from last season? Because once again, they were undone by a side playing quickly, either through the middle um, or going around the sides. And, and that's a problem that Bayern had throughout the majority of last season. It's what got them dumped out of the Champions League. It's what almost cost them um, their title. Um, I don't know, did it almost cost them the Pokal? Probably not, because Leipzig were, were pretty poor on the day. Um, but I think you know, two of those three competitions that they went in for, um, ultimately, they ended up with two trophies, and it could have been completely different. And I don't really see what's changed so much. Um, I thought they were still very, very bland um going forward at times they didn't really create that much which which is a bit of a strange thing because of of the players they've got um 
think if we disregard the few last last minutes, the last five, the last ten minutes, because they're really pushing for a goal, and I get that. But the the previous eighty minutes, I, I don't think they're very good at all. And um, Hertha Berlin, all they did was um, was was make the the holes in Bayern's play seem even bigger. And for the first game of the season. Um, you don't really want that because now everybody else can see weaknesses if they've not gone away, and they certainly haven't. So it's going to be difficult for Niko Kovac to maybe hammer the holes that are they're in his ship already. But saying that, um, the way that they started this game, Bayern, they can only improve. Yeah, and actually, just to maybe add to this, um, I think maybe in some ways Bayern were... A little lucky, not only because of the penalty, but also the fact that Kovac, um, Ante Kovac was forced to make some changes um, early on. And the, the, the fact that he had to take off Luka Bakio because Luka Bakio is not 100% fit yet, for example, right? Could you imagine Luka Bakio playing the full 90 minutes when with Bayern pressing and stealing maybe, you know, he's he's already... Um, there's only, only only two other players that have scored four goals throughout their entire career at the Allianz Arena, and one of them is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so he's already on track to become maybe the highest scoring away player at the at the Allianz Arena, and he could have maybe done that at that match if he had been fitter, because of his speed, he's just such a such an incredible player and the perfect player to hurt a Bayern side that plays like that. And the fact that you know Davy Selke had to come on in the 68th minute. I thought that was at first. I thought it was an odd choice, and then later, of course, I found out. Look, it's because it's not just tactical, but it's fitness-wise. So maybe that is something that rescued Bayern a little bit on on that evening. And the fact, of course, that Kruic uh, scored a fantastic goal, who did the second one, that foul. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe a bit of maybe the hit on the head. Um, maybe that that didn't really serve his judgment right. But yeah, I I thought that Hertha's um, if Hertha had been fitter and had key players more ready, then they could have probably gotten even more from this game. I think what was telling for me, Manu, was um, even though Bayern weren't playing particularly well, they managed to get that equalising goal, but still Kovac didn't really want to change things until really late on in the game, um, when I think it was more out of desperation than... I don't think Renato Sanchez is a happy guy. I don't think he's going to be even more happy now that um, they made another sign-in or another couple of sign-ins. But it just felt like maybe the substitutions came a little bit um, too late because Bayern were lucky to get back in the game when they did with that second goal. But then I don't think they worked on that and they didn't use that that extra boost that they had. I mean, maybe they could have gone on and scored a couple more and put the game to bed. But it just seemed that... Once they got that foot back into the game, they didn't really stick that other foot in and go for it, which when we talk about Dortmund in a bit, it's something that Dortmund did. They they got themselves back in the game and, and then they went for the jugular and that's something that Bayern didn't do. And I just feel that maybe this is something that could affect them going on now for, for the remainder of the season because it lets teams know. It lets teams know that even if Bayern pull themselves back in, are they capable of going out and, and whipping? I mean, if you think back only a couple of seasons ago when they were... You're putting five and six and seven past the likes of Hamburg. I mean, where's that gone? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you're bringing up the substitutions because this is something that I thought was a little odd. Um, he brought on Alfonso Davies, right? Really fast. Yes, he's still very young. And obviously, he's not a player for 60, 70 minutes yet, or 90 even, right? Uh, but he is a player that can, as an 18-year-old, you have that spark, right? You have that creativity and you have that ability that some of the older, more established players lack, um, which is... You know, they, they just like to go for it. 
And um, he brought on Davies in the 86th minute for Gnabry. Um, Gnabry plays on the right. Davies plays on the left. So that start, I thought, was a bit of an odd one. And then he brought on Renato Sanchez for Thomas Müller, um, which is, was also a bit of an odd choice for me. And you already said it, Renato Sanchez is not happy at all because, you know, he's a player that with that with that movement in midfield is very good and very fast. And he's just not... Kovac does not seem to give the young players the chances that they need and not in the right positions either. And that is something that I find a bit odd. And you, you already mentioned it, the, the changes that they're making now with the transfers. Um, one transfer in particular we're going to talk about a lot. Felipe uh, Coutinho, right, was also, again, not a wing player. Um, but um, the fact they brought in Cuisance from Gladbach, um, a perspective play, player who played 11 games for Gladbach only last year, couldn't get any significant minutes for that side. And when you look at his hard numbers, actually is pretty much the same player that they already had in Renato Sanchez. So that's, this is a choice for me that I just don't understand it. And um, you already have so many young players that are looking to get playing time and Kovac is not necessarily giving it to them at the right moments. And then you're adding another one. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we get proven wrong, but this is something that I just find a little bit odd go- going into the season. Well, Manor, you, you know, and Chris, you both talked about you know the substitutions being a bit too late. One was on the eighty fifth, and the other one on the eighty seventh minute. Now, we've talked about uh, on previous uh, podcasts how small, how thin this Bayern squad is, and and Manor, you you talked about you know maybe introducing some of the youth players. I mean, if I look at that bench, you know, and I'm looking to mix things up, which desperately needed to happen because they were struggling to to break Hertha down. There's not a lot of attacking options on there, really, especially ones that you would put your money on changing the game. It it makes it seem almost more sense, I think, that Robin and Ribery hung around for so long because at least they were some type of spark on the bench, if not already on the field. Do you not agree? Yeah, but if you have young players in your side... And you're looking to rebuild and you're trying to, and this is what they said, we have to become a bit like Borussia Dortmund and find those young talent. And I, I throw Davies into that category, same with Sapret Singh, who was a very interesting player as well. You know, that talent is not going to get any better sitting on the bench. You've got to play them, right? I understand that Bayern are a big club. And yes, and Ivan Perisic, who of course joined, he was uh, suspended for this game because of a yellow card suspension um, that he had in Italy and apparently to carry over to other leagues, which, sure, that happens. Um, but, you know, you, if you, if you want to develop, develop talent and you want to be the club that not only signs these big stars, but you also, because it's Germany, buy and have to generate all the income themselves. There is not that crazy TV money floating around like it is in England. So they have said publicly that they want to give young players a chance, but you're not going to be able to change a game if you're a young player, if you're coming in the 86th minute. Five minutes is just not enough. And I I think that is something that I think has also been internally already, already criticized because Bayern have always brought in three or four young. They have always had this three or four young players on the bench that would come in and get playing time. Look at look at through the ages, the Phillips Arms, the Thomas Müllers, the Owen Hargreaves. I, I, I can name... Several players, David Alaba was in the current squad. All these players got their playing time coming off the bench. And you, you got to give those kids the opportunities. And in a game like that, I think if you want to bring in a spark, a change, you have to do it a little bit earlier. 
yeah, I think that that's very true, and there's not a lot can be really done or expected to be done coming on at that time uh, in the game. Uh, Chris, so, so let's talk a little bit about um, Bayern and who they've now added to the squad. Um, a man that you and I would have watched plenty is Philip Coutinho, uh, formerly of Liverpool and Barcelona. Uh, do, what type of signing do you make this? I mean, obviously they need extra bodies, um, but is Coutinho the type of player that Bayern needs? Uh, he's a fantastic talent, but you know, as he may be witnessed at Barcelona, that doesn't always you know, fit in quite um, as you may expect. Well, first of all, I think um, Philippe Coutinho is fantastic talent and no matter what club he goes to, he will add something to it. Um, he's not done particularly well, in inverted commas, at Barcelona, but I think some players struggle to do that because of the, of the players that are already there. Um, Messi's obviously a phenomenal player and one of the best players that's ever played the game and no matter how good you are, you're always going to struggle. Um, Luis Suarez is there. Um, and, and has made himself maybe a crucial part of that side, but he's a, he's an exceptional striker. Um, Felipe Coutinho, if he's given the time and he's given the the freedom to play for Bayern, will be a lock picker, which is exactly what they need at times. And um, I'll tell one man who might be excited by this will be um, Robert Lewandowski, who's been complaining constantly that he wants more sign-ins. Um, and I think... Coutinho will be able to pick out that. Now, whether he's going to play um, in his traditional role, which is slightly behind the, the the front three, so you can definitely see him playing more in that um, role that Thomas Muller took up on um, Friday night, or he could possibly play on the other side where Tolisso was, but he's going to be in and around there causing lots of dangers. Um, I think this could be a really good signing for Bayern, and it could give them a boost that they need if he hits the ground running, because... Coutinho will want to prove that he's still the player he was that um, that came to fruition at Liverpool. He was, he was at the top of his game when he left and went to Barcelona and he was unable to capture that high again. And this could sometimes players need to move to a different club and, and get their career back on track. And I think that could be exactly what Coutinho needs because Bayern are a massive club um, and he's going to be playing Champions League football. Uh, you know, he's going to be playing in a very strong competitive league and he's thrived in that in the past. And yeah, if I was a Bayern fan, I would be really excited at this because he's the type of player that Bayern need. And if the next few games, if he, if he starts and, and he plays well, uh, that will give him the confidence and anybody that's seen Coutinho play, full of confidence is is phenomenal he can not only can he assist he can also start picking off um, goals from the edge of the box and defenders don't know what to do do they get close to him to stop the pass or do they drop off and, and risk him taking a shot so it's going to be hard for the Bundesliga sides um, especially not many of them will have faced him before and, and they won't forget him after they do that's for sure Chris there's, a, there's an interesting one you brought up because Kovac is really into playing that 4-3-3, right, with um, Thomas Müller in one of those half positions, um, kind of hanging a little bit. I find he's hanging a little bit in space. And um, I think Coutinho is a very similar player to Thomas Müller in in that regard that he's maybe even better suited for the position where Kovac has been trying to play Müller, right, that half eight half nine more of a, he's not a winger in any kind of ways he's more of of a roaming attacking midfielder isn't he um so i actually wonder there's there's been lots of people saying okay look they they wanted to have Leroy Sané because they wanted to bring in a winger a straight 
winger who can play that dynamic role on the left, um, you know, together with Coman. Um, but this is a very, very different player. And this is not, in my opinion, not very good news for Thomas Müller at all. When you look at what he brings to the Bayern side. Yeah, I, I think that Thomas Muller is probably that's the position where Coutinho will take up. You're quite right. He's not a he's not a dedicated forward, so I can't see him going into Kingsley Coburn's spot or even Serge Gnabry's if he's if he's put on one of the two sides. Um, I, I don't think he'll be deployed centrally. But if 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 Bayern fans are thinking, is he going to play forward? Is he going to be maybe Sane's uh, replacement as such, although he never arrived? I think he will play in that second bank of three. And, and that's when when he did play there for Liverpool. And obviously, Jurgen Klopp played that 4-3-3 um, and he played it very, very well. Coutinho left um, in the December um, or the January time and went to Barcelona and, and Liverpool didn't really miss him. But I think that was probably more um, luck than judgment and Klopp's coaching, but he is phenomenal in that second bank of three. And you're quite right. If you look at the lineup, how it started against Hertha Berlin and Thiago obviously plays that, that holding six role. And then you've got Talisa on the right and Muller on the left. And, and I'm looking now, where would I put Coutinho? And it would be in that slot that Thomas Muller was in. And you're quite right. He will drift in. Um, Kingsley Coburn will be asked to maybe tuck in a little bit and and when the ball's on that side Thiago will go over Tolisso will go over and um, Coutinho will just operate in that space which is slightly behind um, Robert Lewandowski and slightly to the side so you know, with his passing, he can either play in one of the two wide players or he can feed it straight into the central nine. So it is, it is very exciting for Bayern, apart from if you Thomas Muller, because that's where I see Philip Coutinho um, sitting straight away. And we know what Thomas Muller was like last season when he didn't play. He sort of became maybe a dressing room hindrance. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he takes to that. Is his wife going to take to Instagram again? You know, that sort of thing. And it was quite upsetting for Bayern. And it came at a time when they needed to all come together and to play for Kovac. And, and they were just the start of, of little chipping away of that. And, and, you know, we're at that time where we were thinking, is Kovac going to stay? And that's the last thing he needs when he's going to get a player in a Coutinho's quality is maybe someone like Thomas Muller um, not being particularly happy about it and vocal about it at the same time. And Manu, for anyone that doesn't know about Mikael Kusant, could you just explain what kind of player they're getting there and what he will add to the squad? Yeah, there's a player that did very well when he first arrived in the Bundesliga for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He played 24 games in his first season there and um, was kind of a breakout star, right? And for some odd reason, could just not carry that performance to that second season last year um, under Hacking and um, only played 11 games and was very frustrated with his position. Uh, Marco Rosa, the new head coach at Gladbach, was really excited to actually work with him, but Kouizans all summer long um, said he wanted to leave, he wanted to leave, um, he just not necessarily to Bayern, just wanted to leave, period, right? Wanted to leave the club, he was unhappy, he felt like uh, as a young player, maybe a bit entitled that he should be getting more playing time. I, I feel like um, if you were 18, 19, 20, and you play in a club like the Bundesliga, your playing time can be limited unless um, you put in the, the numbers and the hard work rate, right? And maybe he felt entitled from his first season and uh, didn't necessarily feel like he had to carry over that load, right? And Marco Rosa said um, in an interview, and I find this very telling, the statement, 
um, we had the feeling that Borussia Mönchengladbach had become too small for him. Um, it's very telling when you when you get a statement like that from a head coach on a player who's played just 11 games the previous season um, because he was not did not put in the work to play more minutes. And I think um, you know it's it's an interesting one that Bayern decided to pick him up. Anyways, now he he is he is a good talent, um, French youth international, played fantastic football when he first arrived. I think he's there's all the tools they're all there. Um, but the two question marks that I had when I wrote the article on Fußballstadt.com was, is he that modern number six, you know, a deep lying central defensive midfielder who can free up Javi Martinez to play in center back role if he's needed there. Um, dynamic, like Rodrigo, this, the, the player that they targeted earlier in the season, someone who can maybe replace Thiago if he goes down with an injury. And the answer is no. He's not. Um, you know, we're talking about a player who over the last calendar year completed 60% of his forward passes um, per 90 minutes, um, who has a pass completion rate of 82%. You know, you look at the rest of the Bayern squad, they're all in the high 80s and not 90s, um, and he's not there. Now, um, that means there will have to be a lot of work put in by him and a lot of work committed by the coaching staff to make this work. And uh, I find this really telling because when you look at his numbers, they're in most categories the worst when compared to all the rest of the Bayern squad. Um, the closest he comes to is Renato Sanchez. And that, 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 there we are again at an earlier topic. Why sign a young player um, for a position and a slot in a squad that you already have? And this is this is something I'm wondering about now. Of course, it's a 10 million euros. That's nothing for Bayern, but still... I wonder how well Cuisance is going to work out in that department for them. And it's going to be a very interesting story to follow over the next year or so. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be uh, one that maybe less was expected um, to happen as uh, the window is getting ever closer to closing. But um, Chris, um, just before we move on, I, I feel like it would be a little bit harsh if we didn't speak about Hertha. Um, and kind of congratulate how well they did. Uh, it's never easy facing the reigning champions and getting a point opening game of the season. But I also feel that, you know, with the likes of Gurek, when he doesn't lose his head and throw people to the floor, um, Abisevic uh, and, you know, Luka Bakio, who Manu pointed out may be uh, one of the transfers of the season. Things are looking fairly good for Hertha going forward, would you not say? Yes, and this is a brilliant. Um, they must have looked at the the fixture list when it came out and thought, "Oh God, we've got to go to um, the Allianz on the opening night of the Bundesliga um, season. What's going to happen? Are Bayern going to be wanting to make a statement?" And and they played exceptionally well, which is something they did last season, especially at home in the Olympic Stadion. So this is a good start for Hertha. But how many times when we've been doing this podcast have we talked about a good start for Hertha Berlin and then a tail off after Christmas? So I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit um, on Hertha's start and maybe see where they are come late November. But you can't argue um, about the way they played that midfield four um, with Gruwic in there as well. And Mittelstadt and, and Daida and Lecky I thought were excellent. Um, and and their the forward three, obviously, Duda's played in that slightly withdrawn role. Um, but I thought they were all very good. Um, and, and the back three didn't really have that much to do um, on the whole game, which I think is a very surprising statistic um, to, to come away from the Allianz and, and think, oh, yeah, we could have possibly won. And Manu mentioned it earlier. But, yeah, it, 
Marco Gruwich scored a brilliant goal. Um, he's playing really well. He's building on that season he had um, last season. I think he can be a real crucial player for Hertha um, going forward. You see what he does defensively, and you can also see what he does in that attacking third. Um, he just needs to... I'm not even going to say he needs to cut it out of his game because it was an out-of-character foul, and it was just a really strange thing to do. I don't know, maybe... Um, Robert Lewandowski got in his head, uh, maybe giving some trash talking, and he just reacted to it. But it's a really, it's a really poor decision by, and, and I think that has cost um, Hertha two points. And come the end of the season, if they miss out on a European place by two points, I think we can probably look back at this game at the start of the season as, as where they drop those points. Because as we've said and as we've talked, and I won't labour the point. Bayern weren't particularly good and, and Hertha will have left Munich thinking we should have really had all three points. Yeah, absolutely. You never know where those two points may be needed come the end of the season, as you said, Chris. But let's move on to Saturday's game and I feel we need to talk about Borussia Dortmund. So, well, the Dortmund side went 1-0 down right at the beginning of the first minute, Niederlechner scoring. And that was rather unexpected. What was not... Um, unexpected was that Dortmund would come back and score plenty of goals, the game finishing 5-1. Manu, this was the perfect start, wasn't it, uh, for Borussia Dortmund? Um, you know, having uh, the rivals, uh, Bayern Munich, dropping some points and then them scoring five the following day. Yeah, although it didn't really start ideally for Dortmund, did it? Um, <laughs> that Florian Niederlechner scoring within... 45 seconds it was quick it was real quick and when when Augsburg scored that first goal I was uh, I was thinking to myself or oh, this would be typical Dortmund to slip up the very first chance to, to take a lead in the table um, by by dropping points to Augsburg but thankfully Paco Alcazar um, scored very quickly to make it 1-1 so they didn't really have to chase the result and once that second goal went in the floodgates opened and it was very, very easy for Dortmund. And I felt when, when it was actually already 1-1, um, it, it felt like it was only going to be a matter of time for, for Dortmund to, to walk away with a very, very good result there. Um, maybe have to single out... <laughs> we, we do this new match format where we talk about three stars and maybe that three stars is not necessarily the, the right way of putting it. It's really three players that we've looked at through the match that had a big impact on the game, right? And uh, I singled out poor Augsburg keeper Kubek because, oh boy, did he have a poor game. Um, he gave away three of the five goals to really hand... Hand up on the three points. The first one, uh, the second one, and the third one. He just, it just did not seem ready to play in the Bundesliga um, at this stage. Where I'm very poor in his command of the box, very poor in the communication. He said in an interview before the game, you know, language is a big thing for him. And having recently arrived from France, um, being a Czech national, I think the communication really did break down in, on a few occasions and. You know, although this result is obviously very much deserved for Dortmund, um, Kubek as a goalkeeper played a very large role. But I think you know that's, that Dortmund will will take these three points, and it might set the tone for the entire rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I had that noted as well to uh, to touch on the goalkeeping. Uh, well, off day we hope uh, for for, for Kubek. Um, 
he, he definitely contributed um, a few assists almost, didn't he, for a few of those goals. Um, but Chris, um, if we um, go beyond that, um, uh, very much positive times for Dortmund. They, they dominated the game. They re- responded in the way that you would hope that they would. Um, they scored plenty. And even uh, Julian Brands came off the bench uh, to score his first goal for Dortmund uh, on, on his Bundesliga debut. I mean, they do have depth in that squad now, and uh, and uh, they've always had an attacking, entertaining squad to watch. But even more so now, with, with even Hazard in there as well. I mean, it's all pointing in a positive direction for them, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and the response I think was key because going um, going down so early on. Um, again, for the second season running, I think it was clocked at 32 seconds, which was the same as last season um, in the opening game against Leipzig. And they had another good response to that. So at least it shows at least on, on day one of the season, Dortmund can leak an early goal and come back. But yeah, they did um, and came back well. And you know, the probably less we say about Kubek, the, the better for him, unfortunately. But he was key um, to Dortmund getting back into it. And I thought maybe they could have even gone in at half time with the lead, but they came out second half and, and, and pretty much closed the game out very, very quickly. Um, and it could have been maybe even more at the end. Five um, was was not a, an understatement of their dominance. It could have been six or seven. Um, Julian Weigel had a, was denied by a great save early on. Um, should probably give Kubek some some recognition for that. Um, but yeah, it's what you wanted to see and. We talked about um, the the loss of Christian Pulisic. Would it be a problem for um, Dortmund? I think Manu and I were in agreement. No, it wouldn't be because the player needed a move. Um, the club needed a move. That was the best move for everybody. Um, but the hazards come in and he he's ready made for that role. Um, I think it took him a little bit to get going, but... The man on the other side, Sancho, red hot, Royce red hot, um, obviously Paco Alcacer, um, just as good. But a note on maybe Augsburg, and we tip, both think Mano, I, and even Derek last week tipped them um, to be relegated. I think we had them, all three of us had them in the um, automatic relegation slot. Um, I got a screen grab from, from the halftime um, analysis um, and, and put it on Twitter, all 11 Augsburg players were in or on the edge of the box um, for Alcacer's second goal, Dortmund's third goal, um, and he's just given acres of space, and that will be punished, and it was punished five times. Um, so, yeah, lots of concern for Augsburg, but Dortmund have now got two-point gap um, on Bayern, so what can they do with it? Hopefully, for me personally, obviously being a Dortmund persuasion, I'd like to see them build on that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's what Dortmund want. It's what all these players were signed for. It's all the money that they put out on the likes of Schultz and the likes of um, Brandt and the likes of Hazard. They they brought these players in to win the title, and this is what they're going to go for. And if we talked earlier about the lack of options on um, Bayern's bench, I mean, just look at who. Dortmund had on who started the game and then who they had on the bench. They got Mario Gutz on the bench, Julian Brandt, um, Brun Larsen still there, Dahoud who can come in, um, Schmelzer even at left back if needed, um, Zagadou as a centre back, these and Hakimi even right back. The, this is now a, a fully title um, side for me, a, a side that can go on because not only have they got a good start in um, 11, they've also got a pretty decent um, substitutes bench that can complement when needed. 
Yeah, Manu, would you expect a Borussia Dortmund to um, go into the next two games and then have a total of nine points? They're, they're going to be facing uh, Cologne away from home and then Union Berlin um, to the newly promoted sides. Great atmospheres, but really they should have nine out of nine points before they go and face Bayer Leverkusen, shouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much the the only answer to this this question. I mean, Köln is a promoted side. On your own is a promoted side. That those are the teams that you want want and have to beat. And I I think they will do just that. Um, especially with the way they they played against Augsburg, I think they'll they'll go into match day four with all all nine points. And just like we've uh, touched on before, Manu, we, we we kind of asked whether Dortmund are done in the transfer window. You would kind of suggest, you know, with all these players coming off the bench, they probably are. Yeah, um, unless you know they, they they offloaded quite a few names, um, but at the same time, Chris Chris said it last week, right? They're always looking. You never know. Um, maybe there's like an opportunity where you want to sign someone, but I think unless something really significant comes up, they're done. I mean, they did. Their squad is is. Is probably the most complete in the entire in the entire Bundesliga at the moment. Yeah, I would say that they're looking in a pretty good position on and off the pitch, aren't they? Um, uh, Chris, if we go to you then, but just just before we go to the Sunday games and we talk a little bit about your trip, uh, which I'm eagerly uh, waiting to hear about. Uh, on the Saturday, were were there many surprises uh, that came up that uh, you maybe didn't see coming? That you, that you, you anyone that underperformed or maybe overperformed? Well, there's the, I, surprises. I'm not 100, percent but I, I was sort of surprised um, at Paderborn doing so well at Leverkusen. But then you have to remember that it's a Peter Bosch side who are excellent going forward and not that good in defence. So it's a three-two victory against the newly promoted side a surprise or just something um, that we have to expect with by Leverkusen flying by the seat of the pants. Um, Dusseldorf, I thought did well. Fortuna to to beat Werder Bremen, who've openly targeted a, a European place finish. Um, I think they did particularly well, especially after losing um, Luca Bacchio, uh, who, who you know, performed really well for them up front. Um, and then, was it a surprise? I was surprised that it ended nil-nil in Gladbach. I thought there may have been a couple of goals in that, but obviously two new coaches um, getting their feet in, in the league. Um, as 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 head coaches of big sides, and that's what Gladbach and Schalke are. That's why it was a, a Saturday afternoon game. It is a real top spiel. It is a real big game, um, the, the number one game of the weekend, I think, if you look at the fixtures. So I was maybe surprised that that ended goalless, but not overly surprised. Um, I think there's more to come from both those sides. But over the whole... Um, over the whole of Saturday, I think it was just goals galore. I'm glad Chris brought up Leverkusen actually because um, the word on the street is that they're looking for another defender, um, which makes sense when you when you look at that particular performance against Paderborn because Paderborn probably the the, the promoted side. I mean Köln, of course, but uh, they looked they looked of the promoted sides even though they lost. Um, they looked the best. I thought so. Yeah, um, I think that Leverkusen definitely need to do something to be a bit more secure in defense, and um, maybe to add um, a little bit to Fortuna Düsseldorf, of course, of Zach Steven in goal, uh, the young American picking up uh, three points on his uh, goalkeeper debut, pretty good going for him. And I think Düsseldorf, um, 
a lot of people thought it was a bit of a surprise, but I, as highly as Kofeld is rated by some, I just don't see it. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. No, you've... Stole my question as well. I had uh, Zach Stefan up to ask you about his performance, man. You obviously playing in goals when you were younger and being over in North America. I, I thought he had a fantastic uh, first game. Um, unknown from Manchester City, he's getting some game time and he looked as good as, well, the Osper newbie looked bad. Yeah, no, Zach Stephen was very good. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying, what, what is he doing at a club like Fortuna Dusseldorf? It's not a big enough club. You have to remember, too, he's coming from Major League Soccer, where goalkeeping is still in its developing stages um, to a league that where goalkeeping is the most fundamental part of the game almost, right? Germany has a long, 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 strong history of developing goalkeeping talent. And for him to get... Um, to a club and Lutz Pfannenstiel, of course, the sporting director there, a well-traveled former goalkeeper, very good when it comes to player development. Um, David Rave, uh, Derek Ray spoke about this last week, and uh, you can just you, if you get identified by a club like Düsseldorf by Pfannenstiel, then you have to have something special, and, and Zach Steven definitely has the potential to become a very good Bundesliga keeper. I doubt he will ever play for City. That's just my personal opinion. I think he's a typical English Premier League signing where they try to make money in the long term. But I, I think he will be a very good keeper at a very good league um, in his career. Yeah, absolutely. A very bright start. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue that on through the season. Uh, Chris, again, just before we go on to the Sunday games, we had somebody reach out to us uh, on Twitter asking uh, the question about whether there'd be any surprises uh, for European spots this year and did mention Fortuna, but also uh, David Wagner's Schalke. Uh, you said that you were disappointed by, uh, by that game as you expected there to be some goals. Uh, it finished nil nil but um things looking positive for fortuna and the jury's still out for schalke would we say yeah i think we can all agree that schalke have got more potential under david wagner to to get into the european places he just needs to to get some time to implement his his playing style which is very exciting very attacking style so hopefully he can implement that at schalke um, fortuna dusseldorf for the european slots i think I think they're a great club, um, but we have to remember that they're only recently promoted. 
Um, and I think getting into um, Europe and, and that rhythm of, because th- it will be Thursday, it won't be Tuesday or Wednesday, that Thursday-Sunday rhythm can can affect a side. Um, I think Eintracht Frankfurt dealt with it, but but they're substantially bigger side than, than Dusseldorf. So I would see if Dusseldorf got into European slots, I could see it going the way that it did for Freiburg, which is they go out early in the, in the qualifying stages and all that does is disrupt your season um, because it starts too early and you don't get the rest you need. So uh, I think Fortuna Dusseldorf, if they finish mid-table again, will be great. Um, Surprise-wise, um, oh, not 100% sure, and it's hard to draw a, a conclusive opinion after one game. Um but there will be surprises. There is every season. Just sit back, watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, there always is. And we always point towards the European spots and just how exciting it is to watch uh, that competition, even if the title is still up in the air or not. Um, but Manu, if we go into Sunday, then the first game that we've seen was Eintracht Frankfurt beating Hoffenheim 1-0. Both teams um, in a bit of a rebuild at the moment. Um how do you or what what can we take from this game? Obviously, uh, a low scoring one, but um, were there any positives from both sides or even any negatives? I would say we can take away from this game that Eintracht Frankfurt's rebuild is going a lot faster than Hoffenheim's. That's the number one key thing, and I, I think that's not so surprising considering that. They didn't have to have a coaching change. And I think in Freddy Bobic, they probably have the best sporting director in the league when it comes to identifying players that can help the club right away. And I think on top of that, the other aspect, and this is this is a big one, um, I think for Frankfurt, it was very helpful to, and this is actually something that's usually the other way around, isn't it? To have a rebuild, bring in new players, but being able to play in these early um, competitive games in the Europa League against not very good competition, right? They were competitive games, but they were sort of the first round of cup game kind of level games against Flora Tallinn, a Lithuanian side, uh, sorry, Estonian side, um, geography mix up here, Estonian side. And then, of course, against Vaduz, who represented Liechtenstein. And uh, I think that was actually, actually helped them. And I think you saw um, quite a bit of that in this game. And um, I think for for Frankfurt too, you you can you get a sense that they're actually doing well identifying the players that they still need. I think Bas Dost was coming in from Sporting, it's a fantastic signing for them, um, a striker that will very much slot in and replace Sebastian Haller. And I I think they're doing Bobic is doing fantastic work there, and I think they will be just fine this year. What about uh, Hoffenheim, Chris? I mean, will it be much of a concern for them? Will it be much of a loss? Um, obviously, Julian Nagelsmann went on to RB Leipzig. Um, you know, what, what can we possibly take from this opening day encounter, if anything, from them? Well, Alfred Schrader, I think he's always going to be up against it. Not only has he come in to a side um, that has had managerial head, sorry, head coaching changes, they've also lost Joe Linton, um, but if we take his Newcastle debut, then they're probably better off with the money in the bank. But um, it's we said on last week's um, podcast that I fear for um, Hoffenheim in a way because I can't see them, them getting back from all these changes, and it is a lot of changes. And one thing that worries me, and I know it's the only for it's only the first game of the season, but they only had five shots and one was on target. Um, and that is not the Hoffenheim 
that um, we've seen over the last few seasons under Nagelsmann, who, who um, we will get on to talking about his new side um, in a moment. But for Hoffenheim, there were some early season bells um, of worry there for me. Um, and for them, I hope they improve. Been to the stadium a couple of times. Um, yeah, it, it, the only way is up, I think, for them. Yeah, that's it. I suppose um, it is early days. It's only one game in, isn't it? As you said earlier, Chris, so maybe that will change. But Manu, it looks like um, they've been linked plenty with Ajax's Kasper Dolberg. Um, do, do we see that coming in? I, I heard that originally they wanted him alone, but now it may have to be permanent. If so, if that is the case, is that likely to happen? I know Nice wants him um, on a permanent transfer and Hoffman were hoping for the loan-to-buy deal, right? And Ajax are more more willing to sell rather than to loan out. So I think if Hoffenheim want to get the player, they will have to buy him. And I think there's enough money around to do it. Um, these deals, how likely is this? Well, it's only 100% once player has put the, the, the ink on the dotted line, the medical has been completed, and he's holding up a shirt under the camera next to a sporting director, right? Um, that's usually how these things go. But I think there's a good chance that that Hoffenheim could sell spy Dolberg, and the fact that they brought in Samaseko from from Salzburg, right? That's a that's a good signing. Um, that's that midfield acquisition that they needed. But I think the difference, again, I think the difference is was just that Hoffenheim they basically have to cobble together a new team, and that that can take time. Um, even if the new signings are quality signings, you know, it's a, a new manager and a bunch of new players, and um, that is something that that transition period that's just not that easy. Yeah, absolutely. Let's um, let's see what happens. No doubt there will be deals happening in the next 10 days or so. I think it's even longer, actually. But anyway, uh, we've waited long enough. Um, Chris was at probably the most anticipated or one of the most anticipated games of the Bundesliga opening weekend, and that was Union Berlin. Um, yes, their first time to be in the top flight taking on RB Leipzig, which was also exciting because they had Julian Nagelsmann um, as their coach and his first game. Um, Chris, I can only imagine, because we've been there, that the atmosphere was something else. Because just on a regular um, match day in a lower division, it was amazing. So I can imagine this was incredible and very loud. <laughs> yeah, it was um it was unbelievable. Uh, I've been to many grounds across Germany now. Um and I'm with Derek who said last week that his favorite ground in the whole of the Bundesliga was uh, the Signal Iduna Park. And and I'm with him on that because of the size of it, the size of the yellow wall, the noise it pushes out. It, it's just an experience you need to take in. But outside of that, um, Union Berlin is my favorite place to go. The uh, Stadion and the Alten Forestry, uh, I think is brilliant. Um, you know the stadium in the forest not only because of the, the tightness to the pitch and the fact that it's got three um, standing terraces around it that obviously creates an even more intense atmosphere than just the one standing terrace it's everything about the the match day build-up Bryce you've done it obviously Manu's done it we, we, we did it together three of us it's the walk to the stadium um, which I you know the players don't do, but the fans do. And it's the walk through the forest and you know exactly where you're going when you get there and you get maybe four or 500 metres away and, and you can start to smell the bratwurst in the air, which which just makes you want to get into the ground and, and, and start watching football. And, and yeah, it was, as atmospheres go, 
it's up there for one of the best that I, I've been fortunate enough to go to. Um, and I think everybody was, was blown away by it. And even though they got hammered, and we'll come on to the game in a second, and, and they did get hammered, um, the crowd were phenomenal. I mean, they were still there 10, 15 minutes after the final whistle. The, 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 the Union Berlin song started on around about the 85th minute, and it was still going 15, 20 minutes after. Um, and the players came back onto the pitch to to say thanks. Um, Christopher Trimmel came back on and, and clapped, and, and that just made them sing even louder. So atmosphere-wise, um, you know, they're top of the table. Football-wise, not so much top of the table. Uh, they created chances. Um, I did the match report for fushballstart.com and, and the headline was Leipzig give Union a lesson in finishing. And that's pretty much um, what the game summed up. Union had their chances, couldn't take them. Leipzig just that little bit um, better across the whole area of the pitch, defence, midfield, attack, and obviously goalkeeper-wise. Um, although I can't blame the goalkeeper for anything, it was just the strength of finishing and, and the strength of player that they had that enabled them to to take the lead in the way they did. But the, in all intents and purposes, the game was over at half time at three nil. But don't let that detract from um, from the ground itself and from the atmosphere. Um, if they can harness the power of the stadium, and I was sat next to their um, to their the guy that runs all their English um, stuff, Ross Dunbar, and I spoke to him just as we started recording this this podcast. Actually, um, if if Union can harness the power of that stadium. There'll be a real force at home. It's just, yeah, they're going to have to get down to it very quickly. When I was leaving Berlin this morning, um, the headlines in the papers um, ranged from um, they brush yourself down, get on with it, to um, you know, like a nightmare in the rain. Um, it's going to be difficult for them. And Manu said Paderborn maybe looked the best promoted side. I think Union looked the weakest and, and that shocked me because of, of how good they were at home last season. But obviously there's a step up in quality um, when you go from the Zweig Bundesliga to the first one. So we'll have to wait and see. And it is only one game, but not an ideal start. But I'll leave Leipzig to Manu. But I thought they were brilliant under Nagelsmann and I'm going to be really excited to watch them this season because I think they could break that to, uh, that dominance of the top two. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's extremely exciting times, obviously, for uh, Union Berlin. But to talk about RB Leipzig, uh, there's a lot of positives to take from that. Um, They looked very positive going forward, didn't they? And Peter Golaski, he said, Manu, that he reckons that they can challenge uh, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, you know, for those top positions. Do you think with uh, Julian Nagelsmann now at the helm that really they they can push on because they've been so good the last few years but just fallen a bit short um, at times? Um, yeah, I mean, we said this this last week already that I think that RB Leipzig are going to, going to be one of the sides for the title. I'm not saying they're winning the title, obviously. Um, I made my prediction. Uh, I'm going to stick to it, uh, but uh, I think that that Leipzig, Dortmund, and Bayern are going to be the three sides to challenge for the title. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Julian Nagelsmann, what he's going to do with with a very very talented team. The reason why I have Leipzig so high up um, is not is not their attacking progress. It's their it's their midfield. I think they have the deepest midfield in the entire league. You look at the the fact, not only the deepest midfield, but also the midfielders that are most compatible to each other, right? Um, I feel, for example, that Bayern have a very deep midfield, but they have a lot of players that are very similar. 
And you don't see that with Leipzig. You see a lot of players that can play various different positions. I mean, just look at the setup that they had in this one with Demis, Sabica and Campo, right? They were able to bring Nkunku off the bench. Um, they were able to bring in Lima off the bench. Forsberg came off the bench. Um, Tyler Adams, who I, who I think is probably the best U.S. national team player and on the planet at the moment. Everyone always talks about Christian Pulisic, but he is the player with the biggest impact on the pitch. Is still laboring with an, with a groin injury, right? He, this, which is it's a big loss for Leipzig because of how important he is. Um, Haidara didn't feature in this game either, yet they don't miss a, a step. And I think that is um, a quality that is very difficult to beat. And not on the other three sides don't have that. And I think it was Pep Guardiola who, who said this. Um, one of the books that have come out on him that midfields win game and games. And I think that's very much true for, for Leipzig. And I think that is why they, they're going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. And I think they're also going to be a team that is going to really much push um, for the title. And it's going to make the league a lot more interesting. I was really impressed um, with Marcel Sabitzer. On, I, I thought everything he touched um, turned to, well, it did pretty much turn to goals. Um, you know, he got a hat-trick um, of assists and, and scored himself, which isn't too bad when you win 4-0. Um, so, so, yeah, I thought he had a, a great game. Um, Hasselberg was, was excellent. And I think that whole midfield four, um, maybe the defence didn't really have that much to do, but when it did, um, Canate was was quite easily able to sweep it up. So this was a really, really good performance from Leipzig. And I just think they've looked good for the last few seasons, Bryce. And, and you mentioned that, but under Julian Nagelsmann, and I'll caveat everything I've said this week, but it's only the first game of the season. Um, and how do they get on when they play some other sides? Because I've seen Nagelsmann's side maybe choke a little at times under pressure. But I think what he has got now is the players and the quality to back up his system that he didn't quite have at Hoffenheim. And, and he looked happy. And for someone who's interviewed Nagelsmann and spoke to him a few times, he doesn't normally look a happy chappy. And, and he certainly looked very happy with this result. And yeah, this, this team sent out a real message for me. I did think it would be the top two, Dortmund and um, Bayern, and whichever way round you want, you know, go for that. Um, and I thought that Leipzig would be the best of the rest. After seeing them play, on the weekend, um, up close, and the speed in which they played at, the speed in which they broke at, um, I think that that two for the title has become a three for me. Yeah, fantastic time, so RB. But just, uh, I suppose, one final thing would be, um, I'll, I'll go to Manu, but obviously I wouldn't mind hearing Chris's opinion on this as well. I mean, we talked about um, the next two games being very winnable for Dortmund, uh, but RB Leipzig have got, a hell of a run coming up. I mean, Manu, how, how do you think they're going to fare? You know, it's going to be testing times to come up against you know Eintracht Frankfurt, followed by Borussia Mönchengladbach, Bayern Munich, Werner Bremen, Schalke, and then Leverkusen. That that's a hell of a start to the Bundesliga campaign. It is absolutely one hundred percent agree with you. It is a, it's a very difficult run, um, but on the other hand, um, you have to face those. Everyone has to face each other twice, right? So it doesn't really matter, really, when you face them. Um, you might as well just get some of these sides out of the way. So I, I think it might actually um, favor them a little bit. Remember, Frankfurt are still have to play Europa League playoffs and um, maybe get them now while they're still trying to, to get the, 
get all the transfers sorted um, and pretty much juggling um, Bundesliga and Europa League. It, it might be a very good time to play them. Gladbach didn't really convince me. And then, yeah, it's it's Bayern. Um, I think after that stretch of games, we will really know where, where Leipzig was going to be at. I reckon Dortmund will head into that match day with the maximum amount of points. But for Leipzig and Bayern, this could be... This could be a really interesting one, and it could it could really determine where all the storylines are going to fall um, for the rest of the season, particularly in fall. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting set of match matches coming up there. Bryce, I'm glad you you brought up that because it, it, it's something that people say. Oh, they've got a really difficult run of fixtures, um, and and Manu's quite right. Sometimes it is better to get them out of the way, and and they've started really well. So. Who's to say they can't take that form in? But once you've started playing and once you get into that um, season rhythm, and don't forget Leipzig will be playing European football as well, um, you look at round about the, the November time when we're starting to get ready to go into Christmas and then they've got the likes of Mainz um, and then they are... Um, then they then they're away at Hertha, which okay, it should be winnable for them. Um, but then they play Cologne, um, and then they've got um, Paderborn after that. And then just as we go into Christmas, they've got Hoffenheim, um, and and I think yeah, they're, they're away then at, at Dusseldorf. So that's the that's the yin to the yang. You've said they've got some really hard fixtures coming up, but at a crucial time when maybe you're getting a little bit leggy and a little bit tired, they've got a wonderful opportunity to go into the the break um, after match day seventeen in in a strong position in the league. And it's things like that, Chris, that make you the football expert, eh? Well, that more or less does it uh, for this week, uh, guys. Hopefully, you've enjoyed us being back and being able to report about a full match day of of excitement, really. But, um, Chris, I'll I'll go back to you. What, what exactly have you got coming up that you'd maybe like to draw people's attention to? It's going to be hard to top that exciting weekend you've just had. Well, I'll try. I'll try my best, Bryce. Um, but yeah, we, we've got obviously previews coming up. Um, both Manu and I, and even Matthew Marshall, who who writes for um, Football Stat and Football Grad, will be going to games. Um, I'm back out again on match day four um, for Dusseldorf Friday, Dortmund Saturday, and Paderborn Sunday. Looking forward to that, especially to Paderborn. Always good to get a new stadium under your belt. Um, but in between now and then, we, we've just got the normal rhythm. Of, of previews and match reports and and any interesting opinions that we might want to throw out there. Very good. Busy as always. And Manu, what would you like to uh, draw people's attention to? You're writing for many different places, it seems, these days. And, and equally as interesting to read. Yeah, obviously I did um, a story on the big transfer weekend by, that Bayern just had um, on Forbes. So that's on Forbes.com. Um, can be found on my Twitter feed at Manuel Weff. Um, we had the, a bunch of very good, excellent match reports on, on this weekend. There's a scout report on Michael Cousins um, out on Fußballstadt.com as well. Um, yeah, and then of course we have Frankfurt's Europa League game previewed against Strasbourg. They're playing there on Thursday. So that will be on Fußballstadt.com. Then we got the uh, Champions League games over on footballgrad.com. The playoffs, of course, officially now the Champions League. Um, it's the actual Champions League competition. So that will be on uh, footballgrad.com. And uh, yeah, um, lots of other content out there. Um, 
you can find that at Manorweb, but you know everything that we do on the Football Grad Network will be at Football Grad Live. Great stuff. And as Manu just mentioned, yeah, head over to Football Grad Live on Twitter if you want, uh, well, if you need more football in your life, really. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn11. And that more or less does it from us on the Gag and Preston uh, podcast. Until next week, uh, tune in then for more talk of match day two of Vader's End. <laughs>It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.